Welcome to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. In this episode, we're taking a look at all of the games that happened this Sunday, week nine in the NFL, and telling you what matters most. Not just the final scores, not just the wins and losses, but the performances, the schemes, the game plans, everything that went into them that are going to have a lasting effect. I'm Trevor Sikama. With me, as always, is Connor Rogers. Let's ring the bell. Welcome to the opening bell of the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. I'm Trevor Sikma. That is the birthday boy himself, Connor Rogers. As we are recording this, it is Sunday night. And uh, Sunday, Connor, it is your birthday. I'm not going to call you out and ask you how old you are because we're slowly approaching that point where that's disrespectful to do so. But I will say, Jets got a big dub on your birthday. So I don't know what else you got. I don't know what else you had planned. But at least the day of had to feel a little bit great when you were watching that. Thank you, man. It was one of the better birthday surprises I feel like I've ever had. I mean, talking about a double-digit underdog, we were joking like we have the meeting uh, for pregame, obviously, a couple hours before the show, and it was just like much more quiet. It's usually like just mayhem and everybody's going nuts, making jokes, and like one of the like directors looked around and was like, man, you guys, like, where's your expectations today right now? You could feel it. So... It was a really, really nice surprise. And uh, the Mets signed Edmund Diaz to a five-year extension. I kind of caught wow. fire there. Yeah, this birthday, I caught fire out of nowhere, man. So I, <laughs> not not many complaints, just keeping it real, like, honestly. So you told me right before we smashed the hit record button for this that when you are done recording this podcast, you're about to go downstairs and house some cake. Is the, like a dog with a bowl of food. I was okay. Well, I was going to ask because now I got people love when we talk about food on this podcast for some reason, and we will get to everything that matters for the NFL slate. You guys know what's up on a Monday, but it's Connor's birthday, so we're talking about cake. Is cake your go-to like birthday? Do like do you love cake? Yeah. Are you a cake fiend? You all cake. about it? I love cake. What's your favorite I, kind of cake? So I, I have two favorite cakes, and okay. this is the. I, I don't know what's going on. Like, I've just been so spoiled lately. This year, I, I got both of them because Friday I went down. I got to see my parents, which I never do during football season. So it was great. We went down there. That's we great. had dinner. Uh, my parents uh, surprised me with a cake, and it's ice cream cake. Mm. And it's like a no joke. Like, obviously, chocolate, the cookie crunch in the middle, mm. vanilla, vanilla icing, chocolate fudge as like the layered icing so that that's usually like the go-to the go everybody loves ice cream cake but when i got home from jets post game today my girlfriend the lovely Kristen, made me a funfetti cake which is my other favorite cake yeah so cakes the go uh cake and ice cream are the best i'm not a pie guy like everybody gets oh man really no no i don't like pie so like that's a big thanksgiving halloween kind of thing so I just, I'm really lucky my birthday is in between those. So when everybody's in the pie mode, I get to uh, kind of stop my feet and get ice cream cake as well. So yeah, dude, cake, cake is, cake's the best. I mean, I feel cake. like you and I are very uh, level-headed and like-minded individuals. And so I feel like we agree on a lot of things. We, we definitely disagree on this one. I'm not, like a, big, pie. I'm not a big cake guy. I'm just what about not. cheesecake. Oh, okay. So cheesecake is, cake my, is like my top tier dessert. Like that's my number one, but, yeah. I, don't, but I, I don't know like how much of, I don't know how much cheesecake is like actually cake. You know what I'm saying? It's just different. I get you're right. Well, because cheesecake is one of those things where like I only order it by like a piece, right? Like I either 
either am out to dinner and like that's the dinner you just you order a piece of cheesecake or if you know in Hoboken we have great Italian delis and some of them are also dual as bakeries so they sell mm. cheesecake by the piece see, and like see, the, the plastic speaking my language yeah we don't mess around so yeah, so so yeah I consider cheesecake a cake which is okay. also in the tier of the elite cakes ice cream cake funfetti cake cheesecake I mean so I it, like I like I like ice cream cake I like cheesecake a lot but like a classic cake, like a very cupcakes. fluffy. Yeah, like I don't even look. It's not the cupcakes are bad. Obviously, they're they're full of sugar, so they taste good. But <laughs> I just don't have a I don't have a craving for cupcakes. Like if I'm gonna eat sugar, it's gonna be something. It's gonna be a pie. It's gonna be a cheesecake. It's gonna be uh, my fiance Alyssa's got me on an ice cream kick because she knows all the greatest ice cream oh. places. And so like anytime I'm in Charlotte, it's like. All right, let's go get ice cream. So she's Dude, I, definitely yeah. swaying me in that regard. But we're on going the for ice spectrum. cream. Going for ice cream is one of the joys of life. Like honestly, oh, the process of like the walk to go get ice cream, mm. getting so excited, the devouring walk. the ice cream, yes. and walking. But it's just it's a beauty. It's an absolute beauty. So dessert. Uh, I mean, dessert's just the best. I don't, always make room in your life for dessert, people. Wow, what a motto to live by Alyssa's had to Alyssa's had to get me to live that motto but I could say that uh oh, we're well, on, we're, we're well on our way because I don't have a big sweet tooth but Alyssa showed me some great uh some great sweets so, so neither definitely... I don't like I don't eat like candy I don't, I don't even either. eat like 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 I don't eat like sugary things like mm. it, when I was a kid obviously like I love things like Oreos and stuff like I don't eat any of that stuff anymore but like out to eat or out for ice cream that's yeah. like yeah 100%. dessert Dessert matters. 100%. Dessert matters. Well, uh, happy birthday, my friend. Thanks, dude. Uh, let's, Thanks we'll, to you. let's knock this podcast out so you can, yeah, uh, we got so a you lot can to get do. your cake. I would also love to hear from people which side are you on? Are you on team cake, team no cake? Because we know that the loyal sex addicts of the show love to have these back and forth debates. So I think this sugar is a good one. Like it, the sugar addicts of the show. Where are you? Are you on team cake? And I'll say for the debate, I won't count cheesecake because it's so different. That's fair. Like, I think that's just, fair. Just go like classic, like a cupcake, like a classic, like light cake. Like are red you a velvet. fan of that? So yeah, people yeah, are like are, crazy are about red velvet. Or yeah. are you not? Uh, but we are here on this podcast not to, not just to talk about cakes, uh, not just to wish Connor a happy birthday. We had to get those out of the way, though, because they were yeah. trending topics. Got to pay the we're, bills still. We're here, and that is what pays the bills. We are here Boy. to talk about what was the Sunday slate for week nine in the NFL. Uh, for whatever reason, the NFL did their thing again where there were eight games in the one o'clock window and then there were two games in the four o'clock window. And yeah. I just I never understand why. Why are why are we doing that? Why is it not as why is it not as close to an even split? Like, you know how they do the four the four twenty-five game is quote unquote America's game of the week, right? That they do that and they like pump it up, like, oh, this is the big game that's happening in the, the afternoon slate. If you wanted to make sure that there were at least one less game for the afternoon slate because you wanted this one to be so important, okay, fine, I get that. How are we getting eight and two? How are we getting there? Math doesn't add up. Not a fan of it. There's my rant there. I don't know if you have takes on it, but if not, you tell us where we're going to begin today. Whenever I think of like the, whoever makes the NFL schedule, right, I always think of the meme from SpongeBob of Patrick building the stable. And he's just like, he's got the piece of wood nailed to his head and like everything's upside down. He's building a stable listen, for a seahorse. And if you don't listen, know what I'm talking about, please Google Patrick Starr building stable meme. Listen, because, hold on. I, I, go, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll let you finish. I'll let you finish. 
No, I just, I like, it never makes sense. It never makes sense at all, ever. It doesn't ever make any sense for any single team, any viewer. Like, nobody ever wins the NFL schedule making. I will say this. I worked for, once upon a time, this is back in, like, 2015, I think. I worked for a football league that was starting up called Major League Football. And it never really got off the ground, and I wish it would have, but there's a ton of reasons why it didn't. But Did me, and, me and two other people <laughs> had to come up with a schedule for, I believe it was eight teams. There were eight teams in the league. And there were different, obviously, like, oh, you were in certain divisions. Like, you wanted to play these teams this many times. You wanted to make it so the fans could travel to it, whatever. We stared at that whiteboard for, like, four hours trying to come up with this schedule. Like, it's, it, is it, harder, it is harder than you think. But... Once you have the weeks to set, like, oh, this team plays this team in this week, just change the time. Bump a couple of them to 4 o'clock. I don't know, man. Maybe, I don't know. That's just... So let me... I know we're just getting wildly off the rails on this show. All right, you could really do this even as a yes or no. Are you a fan of the idea of a NFL game on Fridays going forward? No. No. Same. Uh, I don't like it at all. I don't like it. I I don't like it at all. And that's even... That's kind of coming from a perspective, like, you and I are in the industry, so we... That, I, eat, that's probably a big part of it. ...leap and breathe football, and honestly, I get Friday nights off. Like, you know, the, I, I... It I is the only night. Right, I don't have to care on Friday. I have to care on Saturday, because obviously, this being the draft podcast, and we want to know about how um, prospects are playing, and because college football is just fun, you want to pay attention to it. Friday is basically the only night that I have off of the week, so if the NFL went to Friday, I would not be a fan of it. I definitely would not be a fan of it. I'm curious as whether or not People would be a fan of that as well. I feel yeah, like no. Yeah, me too. Me like too. No. I feel like the answer is no. Where are we starting today? Where are we uh, starting? We're 10 minutes into the podcast. But which game are we talking about first here? Let's do Dolphins-Bears. Okay. I, I think this was a, a, a f- exciting game today. Really, really fun game. Tons 100%. of offense. It, if the Dolphins are playing a game, there's a lot of offense. It's just how it is because they are going to score a ton. And their defense doesn't really seem interested in in stopping a ton. So Trevor, trying to get there, trying to get there. I mean, sure, but you're not wrong. Trevor, where are you? Uh, where are you starting with this game? Uh, thirty-five to thirty-two. Final score in this game. Dolphins are victorious. Um, my main what mattered most from this game comes from the Dolphins side of things, just because they are the team that I believe is going to make the playoffs there. Mm-hmm. I think at this point, you've got to consider the Dolphins as one of the top five teams in the NFL, even with the defense still a work in progress. You know, yeah, yeah, Bradley Chubb, you hope that that's getting better there, but the way that they play offense and how easy they make offense look, and you look around the league, and it's it, you've got some great quarterbacks, and you've got some good offensive minds who get stumped all the time. I mean, look at the Rams with McVay. Look at the Bucks currently with Brady. Yep. Look at the Packers with Lafleur and Rodgers. Like there are plenty of things that you can point to to say, hey, this is why things aren't working. But there's all sorts of offensive guys across the NFL who can't get it done every single week. Mike McDaniel gets it done. He's got a plethora of options to go with, but it's not just the guys. I have this in my I have this in my notes. It's not just the players they have. It's the fact that they scheme them open so well. It's truly the we acquired these players and we're using them exactly the way that we want to to get the most results. 
Dolphins offense just absolutely continues to be a force to the point where now you really have to talk about them as making not just an early playoff appearance, but a deep playoff run. Because if they're on their game, it's hard to think that there are a lot of teams in the NFL that could score on them or score with them. They're top five in the in the NFL when it comes to red zone per- percentage, and that's just scoring touchdowns. That's not counting any points. It's just scoring touchdowns. They're 15th in third down percentage, but they were 50% today, so that number is going to go up from, I believe it was about 41 going into this week. Here's another stat for you to emphasize how well they're scheming guys open. Four receivers on this team, Hill, Gusecki, Waddle, and even Sheffield, all have average separations of at least three yards or more at the catch point. It's crazy. Now, obviously, Waddle and Hill, we expected that from them. They're super fast. But still, we look at fast guys across the NFL all the time. Teams are either, you know, giving them a ton of cushion or playing them a certain way where they've got a bracket over the top or they're, 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 they're just straight up doubling them, whatever. And some of these guys can't get open. Miami always can. It, it, oh, it just feels like these guys are always open. This offense is clicking. Two is doing what he needs to. He's not lighting the world on fire, but he's absolutely doing what he needs to. He's a playoff quarterback at this point, and Miami is a playoff offense. The last thing I'll say is that um, Jeff Wilson is a really nice addition to this team, and I love the Jeff Wilson Raheem Mostert combination they have out of the backfield, Connor, because it's the same theme that they have across the entire roster right now speed and it's just speed athletes everywhere you can't cover all of them you don't have enough athletes on your defense that's what miami challenges you to do every week and there's just not many defenses that we've seen that can slow them down i i love that call out um i think that was a quiet really quiet move at the deadline that is really really going to help miami as we know most are it always feels like he's he's nursing the knee a little bit we see mm-hmm. it pop up on the practice report we know he has a long history with it and it's not that Mostert can't be a really effective running back for this team on a deep run, but it's good now you have somebody that can limit his reps a little bit. And I know the fantasy community won't like hearing that, but for the football reasons, it's just a matter of the fact now they can manage his workload and not suffer any kind of deficit or loss because Jeff Wilson's such a nice football player, man, yep. for, for a price that was very insignificant in my eyes. Since you went the Dolphins through, I'll, I'll do something quick on the Bears and then we'll move on. It's really fun to watch this offense with the design run game for Justin Fields. And it's a good example in my eyes of how when you have a quarterback that can be a part of the design run, it gives you that extra blocker on the field because obviously not to, you know, I think everybody understands this, but the quarterback handing the ball to the running back. Now you have the direct run action with Fields with a lot of fakes involved. You have an extra blocker using a lot of motion. It's forcing defenders to contain on the edge while also giving another blocker in front of fields and it just opens up things in the run game that don't exist for a lot of teams so it's really cool to watch chicago unlock this and i think it's allowing fields to get a little bit more comfortable in the game flow as a passer yeah Yeah. i i don't think by any stretch of the means fields is lighting the world on fire as a passer right now but he's going from a horrific it passer in terms of efficiency in the beginning of the year without that design run game to now flipping the script on the opposite uh birthday funds over cops are here but <laughs> but i'm gonna st- I'm every time every single time that i hear sirens i'm just gonna i'm just gonna salute like i'm not gonna say anything i'm just, just gonna salute on the on the uh on the podcast and that's just it so- acknowledge and power through man acknowledge and power through but i i love how the design run game 
is letting Fields become more comfortable as a passer and actually making the pass game easier for him, which he's earned because of his threat as a runner. And everything just looks a little easier for him in the pass game right now. And it's going to yeah. be exciting to watch it evolve. And I think the Bears running this offense the last couple of weeks has also answered some questions of what their offseason can look like to become a much better football team. And obviously, they already started to do that by adding Chase Claypool. But I think they are starting to find an identity with Fields that's not only making the team better, but making him a much more comfortable, relaxed player. Yeah, and I, I, I completely agree with what you're saying. He's got confidence. Look, I know that this is going to uh, now allow people to check off a square on the bingo card because we're talking about two things that matter when the segment is called one thing that matters most. But we do, we did have to touch on Justin Fields. If you were going to talk about, if we, you were going to talk about the Dolphins predominantly, then I was at least going to say something about Fields. And the thing that I was going to say about Fields is we're done talking about a different quarterback for Chicago next year. We're done. Like we, we, we can stop entertaining that conversation. I know a couple of weeks ago when Fields was looking really just not confident in himself, whether it was running or passing, that's the dangerous part, right? That's when you talk about a quarterback being broken and you need to get, to get a good guy, a, a new guy in there. Justin Fields, talent has never been the issue. We knew there would be progressions from him going from college to the NFL. There always is for all of these guys. But you get to the point where you need to maybe give the guy the hook earlier than you would you expected it's because they completely lose themselves like they completely lose confidence all of that is gone and then all of a sudden they can't even show the ability that you believe in as a baseline that you still want to work on Justin Fields confidence is absolutely growing is he perfect as a passer is he exactly where they want him to be no but you saw what he was able to do that backyard kind of pump fake tuck the ball long touchdown run where nobody could touch him like that's fields man and that's the stuff that puts fear in the defense Tyree Kill said after the game he's like shoot I didn't even I didn't know Justin was that fast now if everybody if anybody in the NFL was ever doubting it now you have to think about it that is a game record with his legs that will only get more confident if he continues to play like that if we were entertaining Chicago having a different starting quarterback next year we're done that's over. It's Fields. He's going to be the guy. We're giving him plenty more time after this because I love what I'm seeing. Uh, what's the next game you want to go to? Chargers-Falcons. Okay. Obviously not a barn burner here. The Chargers end up winning 20-17 to against those feisty Falcons. Uh, keeps the Chargers' playoff hopes you know, alive and well in the AFC. That is highly, highly competitive right now. Trevor, where do you want to start uh, with this one that, you know, kind of came down to the wire. There wasn't a lot of action in this second half, and the Chargers pull out a close game. Yeah, it was a very back and forth. Chargers won 20-17. Falcons were up 10 nothing after the first quarter. Chargers then scored 14-0 uh, in the second quarter. And it was just it was just pretty it just felt like it was very, very back and forth. It was like one team's fully controlling it, then the other team's fully controlling it. So it was a lot of big time back and forth. It wasn't this intertwined, you know, I'm punching, you're punching, you're punching. So it was just it was very up and down game no matter how you looked at it. The thing that matters most, at least what I wanted to shout out, is on the Falcons side of things. And it has to do with the draft a little bit with the Falcons. I want Marcus Mariota to be good so bad. Like, there are times when I'm watching Mariota, the way that they're playing with him right now, using play action, getting him to roll to the outside, getting him in space, because he is such a threat with his legs. They've shown that they're not afraid to get Mariota involved when it comes to the design run game. And he's got good mobility to him. He's got good athleticism. We've always known that. 
But then the arm too, man, he'll pass it on the run and he will just zip the football in there. And I'm like, man, this guy's got a good arm. But then you see the accuracy issues and he's just, he just doesn't put the ball where it needs to go enough. Uh, there was a point in this game where Kyle Pitts was wide wow. open deep down the field and he missed him badly. And it's like, Mariota, I like what you bring to the table, man. I really do. I'm glad you got another shot as a starting quarterback, but that's got to be a hit. It's just got to be a hit if you're going to be a starting quarterback. Yeah. And then there's a couple of other things when it comes to ball placement where, you know, it's a little bit behind a guy or it's a little bit too far in front of a guy. It's just these little accuracy things here and there that keep me from really wanting to cape for Mario to continue to continue to be that starter. Because if this season starts to get away from the Falcons, my thought here is that you really do know exactly what you have with Mariota right now, both the ceiling and the floor. You like the floor because you can win games with him. You could have a pretty good game plan with him as a, as a rusher, but the ceiling is also a little bit lower than you would want. Today he was 20. He was 12 for 23, had only 129 passing yards and the adjusted completion percentage for Mariota was only a 56.5 adjusted completion percentage. You're wanting that bad boy to at least hit the 70 mark. You want something at least in the 70s, and he wasn't even close with it, and that's not the first time that he has been. So uh, my one thing that mattered most is if the season starts to get away from the Falcons here, I know we've said it before on this show, but I think you really do got to give Desmond Ritter a look, especially if you're kind of high in that draft order, which the Falcons still might be at the end of the year. It just feels like they have no confidence in their passing game, and why should they right now? And, and I think that... You know, you look at Herbert dropping back 43 times. You look at Mariota dropping back 23 times in a really, really tight game. It just goes to show you in the Battle of Oregon quarterbacks, right? The mm -hmm. difference of what... I didn't even think yeah, that. You're the, right. the, the Battle of the Greats, or the Great Ducks. I mean, it, yeah, it's. I've been so torn on the Falcons all year because something I always try to say is, and, and really narrow down with the coach is, a run game based on design, not based on a star, is sustainable. And Arthur Smith has shown that he could develop that. And he did that at Tennessee, and it's carried over to Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And the question when he got to Atlanta would be, well, what is he going to do now without the King, right, without Derrick Henry? And you see guys like Tyler Algier going for, you know, 99 yards on 10 carries, Cordero Loved Patterson, Caleb it. Huntley. Like, this, this run game is sustainable. But the Falcons are entirely handicapped by the fact that they can't consistently throw the football and hit an explosive play through the air. And I don't blame Arthur Smith for that, although he obviously had a huge hand in the plan at quarterback, so maybe he deserves some blame. But Mario yeah, but it's year them. one. It was year yeah. one. Um, it, it was year one, and and remember they they botched two. the whole. Oh, it is two. Is it? Yeah, he had Matt Ryan last year. Not saying he should have lit the world on fire with Am old I in the Matt Twilight Ryan. Zone? It does feel that way with Arthur, Arthur Smith. But yes, he was there last year because he drafted Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts was a rookie last year. Oh, you're right. I know. It's it's like one of those you weird right. things. Not that I doubted you. I just like, I feel no, like. No, it, I agree. It's one of those, you forget Arthur Smith coached the Falcons last year. You're right. I did. get it. I totally get it. I have to remind myself all the time because you're I always right, play the. Did. I always play the like, well, they don't use Kyle Pitts that much because, you know, maybe he didn't draft him. I'm like, yes, he did. Right, <laughs> right, I right. I guess he right, did. Right. Why do you mean? No, it's a painful reminder. Yeah, you're right. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I didn't. This game wasn't one where I knew on the show we were going to like, oh, my God. Yeah, 
we gotta talk about this this game like it, there wasn't a lot to take away from it but we talk about the falcons like this all the time is that the glass half full is they have a sustainable run game for the future when they get the guy, right guy under center there yeah the glass half empty is the right guy is not under center and they no. refuse to take a look at the other guy and then what are they going to do when they get into the draft or the offseason yeah and i think that this was the result that both teams wanted right chargers get to five and three they're the chargers are just trying to survive until they get a little bit more healthy right they don't have joey bosa right now they didn't have mike williams didn't have keenan allen either so it's like the offense is going to look very different yeah, Obviously, herbert hasn't have... looked vintage herbert you and i have discussed yeah like, but it's t- you know like it's tough Pete when herbert. you're losing when you're losing guys whether it's on your offensive sure. line like you no lost doubt. later and and then you're lo- you're throwing to different players yeah it's made them more horizontal so yeah ultimately though i think this is the result that both of these teams wanted for as much as the falcons are still within the nfc south race and could very well win it it's not like any team that wins the nfc south at this point is going to make a lot of noise so i think in the long run this is probably what uh what both of these teams wanted here um for our the next, blowout? which what did you say one did i said one to the blowout which one's the blowout Bengals panthers Oh yeah, I'm looking at the final scores here, and the final it's, score, it's the final score was was 42 to 21, but this game was 35 nothing at the half. Not even close to what the final score indicated in this one. Uh, Joe Mixon absolutely goes off, 22 carries, 153 yards, four rushing touchdowns, but then he also had four catches for 58 yards and a touchdown there. So Joe Mixon five touchdowns on the day. Your boy has him in fantasy, so. Uh, Love seeing that. Oh, you wow. You were that. sitting pretty early. Oh, dude, it was wonderful. Actually, it's funny. Um, I'm playing Brett Coleman, friend of the show, in fantasy this week. I in have our Joe- Dynasty League? Uh, yes. I have Joe Mixon. He had Justin Fields. Joe, oh, Mixon got, Joe Mixon got me 52 fantasy points. Justin Fields got him 48. So the the rest of our teams are garbage, but we, we have these two absolute titans that are going to get us above a hundred points somehow. But uh, anyways, what was your uh, what was your big takeaway from this one? Is it a Panthers one related to yeah. the draft, or is it a uh, Bengals one? My Panthers one is, and I'd love to know more details about this, but by far far away analysis is, man, I hope David Tepper got word of the trade offer that the Rams sent for Brian Burns. I mean, you're telling me, and I believe it was Jonathan Jones. I want to give credit where it's due. Yeah, Jonathan Jones. Um, Yeah. Jonathan Jones, insider for NFL on CBS, you know, kind of starts. This is what kind of started the day. You Mm -hmm. know, I woke up, I got a a happy birthday, and then I opened Twitter, and it was like, oh, guess what the Panthers passed up? Can you believe these guys? And, I mean, essentially, the rumor has it, and I'm not questioning Jones's uh, reporting here, but that the Rams offered a package for Brian Burns that had a 2024 first-rounder, a 2025 first-rounder, and a 2023 second-round pick. And I just think the Panthers right now are in absolute hell in terms of getting all on the same timeline and this is a problem that i witnessed for a long time with the new york jets where they fired rule right but fitterer is still there and i'm not saying fitterer should or shouldn't be there i'm just saying what the facts are you have all these quarterbacks that are from this regime but is are they rules guys or are they fitterers guys and now you're offered a trade that Quite frankly, and I like Brian Burns, for the future of your franchise, you have to take that trade. 
The Rams are absolutely insane for offering two first-round picks and a second-rounder for Brian Burns. And I personally think, this isn't like sourced or anything, the only reason that trade was denied is because if it was Scott Fritterer or the front office on the phone with the Rams, they're sitting there and going, well, this roster without Brian Burns is going to be so bad that we are not going to survive long enough to make either of those first-round picks. We might get to make the 2023 second-round pick, but that's not going to be enough for us to keep our jobs. And that, my friends, is really, really scary stuff for the Carolina Panthers franchise. There is a quote from former Florida Gators athletic director Jeremy Foley, who I think is... I mean, I, I have a ton of respect for him as, a, as an athletic director and all of the hires that he has made throughout all of the sports that he had to manage at UF. And the quote was, what should be done eventually must be done immediately. And I think that that's a really good quote when you think about things like this, Connor, because when Matt Rule got fired, we wondered if Scott Fitterer was also going to get fired, right? We wondered if this was going to be a package deal. Now, they didn't come in together, so it made sense. There was room to believe that Fitterer could survive without Rule. But if your general manager is on such thin ice that he can't accept this asinine of a trade, then you should have fired him. Because that yeah. that that cannot – Scott Fitterer not doing this trade because he's not convinced that he'd be the one to make the picks cannot be the reason why you don't do this trade. It cannot – that cannot be the reason. That is dysfunction at its absolute finest. And, dude, you know me. We've been on this show. I, I've been saying don't trade Brian Burns. Do not trade Brian Burns. You got rid of McCaffrey. You got rid of Rule. Those were the two you needed to get rid of. Don't get rid of DJ Moore. Don't get rid of Brian Burns. Don't get rid of anybody else. Because if they lose enough games, and I said this, I think, last week, if you lose enough games and you get yourself Bryce Young, you can slingshot a rebuild of this team. It can be a lot shorter than it normally is for a lot of other NFL teams. But two firsts and a second, that's three top 50 picks. Do you look at how bad the Los Angeles Rams are right now? The Rams thought they were one Brian Burns. What for everybody who watched the 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 afternoon game against the Buccaneers? If the Rams sat there and thought we're one Brian Burns away from not looking that terrible, I don't know. I I am. It's just nuts. I think Albert Breer put this uh, report out last week, where he said that McVeigh's future is completely tied to the core players that are in Los Angeles right now. Like Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Matthew Stafford, Cooper cup. When those guys are done or gone, McVeigh is gone. And so this off season, well, no, just kidding. When but... you, when you look at those four guys contract, there is reason to believe that all of them, if not maybe one remaining could be gone within the next two years. So, the only reason why I think the Rams even entertain trading that kind of a package for not even a quarterback, it's a pass rusher. And I love Ryan Burns, but like that's, yep. you're not trading him for like a, like prime JJ Watt, you know, it's it, the only reason you entertain that is if you think to yourself, we have those four players and McVay for two years. That's it. Everybody's gone after that. This organization and the draft picks over the next two years do not matter. That's the only way that you can get to that logic, which is still absolutely asinine. But 
I was a, that was kind of a, I'm, I'm so glad you brought this up because that was, I was freaking out when I read my phone that this trade was offered and then it was also denied. And that those are, those are kind of my thoughts on both of those things. It's unbelievable. And th- keep in mind, Brian Burns is playing on the fifth year option next year. So he really has to get paid this year. And they're, they're, and they're, they're over the cap or under the cap, which under, oh, over they're Panthers? over the cap they're no no no. the rams oh, the, the, Ram. rams. the rams are endlessly over the cap <laughs> right but like if you add brian burns and then sign him to a massive contract even all the cap guru work that you could do you're only adding by brian burns you are not one brian burns way brian burns is not catching passes next to cooper cup brian like, burns can't play left tackle like what i just is how the hell did the panthers save the rams from themselves i don't know i don't know that would have made the rams gm job if if they did move on from sneed when mcveigh leaves the most untouchable unwanted gm job of of, in a long long time well not entirely because if they just trade all the draft picks until 2025 and then everybody's out of there after 2025 then technically you're just like a normal team Except the cap's going to be bad, and you're going to have absolutely no talent. So maybe not. Yeah, maybe dude, I'm, that's maybe the point. <laughs> I, was like, I, thought you were, I thought you were talking about like draft picks, like them not having any draft picks, but they wouldn't have they any have young anything. players. They wouldn't have young. They players. They don't have anything. They wouldn't have. Anything. They have nothing to work with. Anyways, oh my god. Anyways, Bengals so, look great. Um, yeah, get Bengals fans. Sorry we didn't talk about you. You just you you kick so much ass. I don't know what you want me to literally but, say. Bengals look great. Uh, showed that they could win without Jamar Chase, which was really important to show because yeah, they're not going to have him next month. So that was great. Uh, and then I also found this, which I thought was very interesting. It, I, As I was watching that game, I was like, man, the Bengals are good at home. I looked it up. Sure enough, they're 3-1 and one at home this season. That's right. The, only, the, only loss, the only loss they have is that Steelers game, the very first game of the year, which they kind of should have won, but it was wonky, so I, I don't even need to say that. But they are six and one in their last seven home games that they have had there. Home field advantage, the Bengals winning their division could be huge for them because even if they match up against, you know, th- there's a chance that the Bengals win the uh, their division, they might still be matched up with the Miami Dolphins, right? If the Buffalo Bills oh, yeah. win that division, or if there's a major surprise and the Dolphins win that division, then you got to play the Bills. Oh, now all of a sudden no, the Bills you. are. Now, all of a sudden, the Bills are a wildcard team, but you get to host them. And for as good as the Bengals have played in, at home this year, Bengals at home getting Jamar Chase back in a playoff game against the Bills, all of a sudden, man, that's a lot co- closer to a coin flip than you would have thought it was. So home field advantage for the for the Bengals, I think, is going to be really important if they can win it. All right, next one, Green Bay, Detroit. Ooh, man. <sighs> I mean... I'm just going to throw a simple question at you, Trevor, because this mm. is what matters most to me. If Aaron Rodgers doesn't retire, what do they do? Like, what do they do? I, I just, we, I get it, and I'm guilty of this. We put a lot of blame on the lack of, you know, a- action to help Rodgers all over the offense by, by Goody. But... We can definitively say at this point, Aaron Rodgers is also responsible for what is going on with this offense right now. Totally. And this isn't like a, this sucks. It's not how we want things to go down. 
we love our coach. LaFord's a good coach. Like, no one's denying that here with what he's done previous seasons. When you look at Aaron Rodgers' contract extension, and I, I mean, it doesn't look like he, he doesn't look overly interested in being out there, but I don't think he's going to walk away from this. Or I, what, like, is there a solution? I don't know what the solution is. And we'll get to Detroit a little bit before we go over this, but this has to be the talking point of the game is this isn't getting better for Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay right now. And I, I'm past the point of, you know what? They're going to figure it out. They're going to turn it around. They mm-hmm. lost against the Giants. They lost against the Jets and just kept spiraling. Why should we have any belief that this season this is going to turn around and it won't carry over into classic Aaron Rodgers friction going into next year? Yeah, I, uh, I, d- I do not think they get it turned around. Um, I think that Aaron Rodgers was just as much to blame for the loss, if not a major a major yeah. key for the loss that they had today. They were in the red zone three times and he turned over three times. Well, technically I think they were in the red zone twice and he threw an interception. And then the third one was they were outside of the 20, but he was throwing it into the red zone. So three interceptions basically in the red zone for Rogers. And even beyond that, man, he looks frustrated. He looks disinterested. He looks just pissed off. He looks like he doesn't want to be there. Uh, we already heard Aaron Rodgers. I believe it was on McAfee's show, right, where he was it like, "Always is, hey, yeah. if you uh, if you're not running the reps right, then we're gonna get guys who can actually run the reps in there." It's like, "All right, brother. Well, now what? You know, it it, yeah. it, it it's not just the the Packers are kind of in an interesting spot because Brady was going through the same thing, right? We we saw Brady yell at his offensive line, and we see Brady get in the face of Chris Godwin's and Mike Evans when things aren't working. But I still feel as though Brady is coming from a place of respect with those guys, especially because most of them, they won a Super Bowl together. So I still feel like the respect is there, even if Brady's getting on their ass. These guys that Aaron Rodgers is not just yelling at, but throwing under the bus on national media. Like, a lot of those guys are young guys. They haven't been there for that long. And I'm not going to sit here and judge the relationships within the locker room because I don't have the authority or the information to be able to do that it's not my it's not something that i can tell but i can tell you that if we don't have a good relationship and you're doing that to me you're throwing me under the bus you're yelling at me all of a sudden it's like okay well when you screw up guess who i'm not gonna have sympathy for you so i think things are really teetering with green bay obviously the stats kind of speak for themselves but we're at the point to kind of like how you brought it up. We're at the point where this train might be off the track soon. And it might be a runaway train if that happens, because Aaron Rodgers contract is not movable over the next two years. I would say three years. I mean, I think in year three, if they did something with him, it would be like a $50 million dead cap hit. But next year it's a hundred million dollar dead cap hit. And that's, that is, you can't even, you can't even navigate that. So Packers are in trouble, man. And no one's trading for to take no, on any of that. No, no. Not in not in his current state. The red zone play was terrible. There was a lot of woulda, coulda, shoulda with the trades, which I think that we should point out where, you know, they, they were in the market for Chase Claypool. It was reported that they were in the market for Darren Waller. Uh, it was reported that they offered a first-round pick for DJ Moore, which is hilarious because their Packers' first-round pick right now is a top-10 pick. I think it's eight. So it's just a... Uh, it's hard to see things getting better for the Packers. And I don't mean to just come on this podcast and just say the obvious negative and that's it, but not a lot of answers right now in Green Bay. 
it's just Aaron Rodgers is what matters most in Green Bay and has to be for everything has to be my one note on the Lions is you know shout out to Kirby Joseph who had the pick in this game that I was really really impressed by Kirby Joseph he had a huge day in coverage you know he graded out really really well by PFF standards made a couple plays on the ball had the uh had the interception cutting across the middle of the field that I thought was phenomenal so the third round pick he was 97th pick overall in last year's draft the rookie it's I know Lions defense have really they've been going through it uh, so it was awesome to see a rookie like that come up with a really big play today. Uh, before we get to our next game, got a question for you guys out there. What if you could have invested in Tom Brady's stock when he was a rookie? If you did that, your investment would be worth over 4,000%. Today, it's not a what if, but now it's a who's next. Mojo is the all-new sports stock market that lets you invest in your favorite athletes and cash in on your knowledge and passion. Sign up right now on the app store to get your first stock for free, which could be worth up to $10,000. If you play your cards, right over 300 players are listed on Mojo. So you can invest in rookies like Garrett Wilson, rising stars, like Kenneth Walker, comeback candidates like Saquon Barkley, or even superstars like Patrick Mahomes. If you think the level for them is even higher, go long and make your money with an underrated diamond in the rough when they break out or, a sh- or you could short your rivals, the players that you don't like, that you think are actually going to tank. You can make money off of that as well. Price move with every play, every game, and every headline. So you can buy and sell instantly, anytime, all year long. So the action never stops. Hmm, every headline. That's interesting. I would, I, I'm actually now going to watch what Aaron Rodgers' stock is before Pat McAfee on Tuesday and then see what it is like after because uh, I think it might move after this weekend. Mojo is live in New Jersey now. So download the Mojo app in the Apple App Store today and start turning playmakers into moneymakers. Must be 21 years or older to use Mojo and located in New Jersey to make trades. If you got a gambling problem, help is available at 1-800-GAMBLER. Visit mojo.com for more info. Speaking of New Jersey, <laughs> let's talk about it, my friend. The New York Jets, victorious over the Buffalo Bills. 20 20- to 17 earlier you know i said hey maybe miami will win the division but what i really should have said is hey maybe the jets will win the division connor you uh obviously cover this team very closely this was a big time win for robert sala so what'd you see in this one i mean just a, a defense that can go punch for punch with anybody since week three of this nfl season it's it's really impressive and it goes to show when Zach Wilson plays within the system of the offense that Mike LaFleur dials up and doesn't try to do too much as he's going through growing pains of being a quarterback in this league, which he did a really good job of today, that the Jets can hang with anyone. I can't believe I'm saying that, but they really can. Beating Buffalo is is all the proof that the world needs to verify that statement. I mean, this is a game where Wilson, 25 pass attempts, he completed 18 of them. 154 yards, touchdown, no interceptions. And when they needed it most on a game-winning drive, they just ran the ball 90 yards down the field. Four yards here, six yards here, four yards here with James Robinson and Michael Carter and a little bit of Zach Wilson getting his legs going as well. But the story of this Jets football team is the defense. It's They have a corner duo that is as good as anybody. Yeah. DJ Reed, who's 25, and Sauce Gardner, who's 22. They're just good. At, they're as good as anybody. I, I mean, Gabe Davis didn't factor into this football game at all. Stephon Diggs came out with his hair on fire and, and then kind of got quiet 
he was Stephon Diggs is a great player. He he got his in this game, but he didn't take over this game. Five receptions, ninety three yards, man. The, and, and I he, think and he, he had opened the, the game the with a forty two yard. Right, right. He had the forty two yard catch, and then nothing after that. And listen, it's just the Jets right now have a front four that wins on their own without help. That allows the defensive the defensive backfield to mix up coverage, to disguise coverage, and to flood coverages that they're just they're a tough defense to really get going against. And it's it's credit to Robert Sala. Uh this cause he took he took it on the chin last year when this unit sucked. They were one of the worst in the NFL and he came out and said, you know what? We're playing the young guys, we're playing sixth rounders here, fifth rounders here. And he took it on the chin week after week and, and now he is he's the guy they thought they were getting from the Niners that built all those great defenses. And he's done it with the jets in year two, where anybody that goes up against the jets knows that that defense is going to put them in hell and they have to find a win the game way to win the game. Despite that. And when Zach Wilson doesn't make mistakes, the jets are a really, really tough team to beat this year that nobody saw coming the Trevor, their win total was five and a half. They won their sixth game of the season as we sit here on Sunday. So the Bills are great. And I don't I don't have any reaction about the Bills in this game where I go, maybe that the Bills do need that third weapon, right? And maybe they can get Naheem Hines up to speed to be that because it felt mm-hmm. like when Diggs was kept in check after the start of the game, Davis got nothing going. Allen was holding the ball a really, really long time, mm-hmm. made some bad decisions because of that. He uh, he actually got there was a strip sack in this game or two and he got the ball back somehow so there's actually a little bounce luck their way and it just goes to show you that you know the Bills are great and the Bills deserve to be Super Bowl favorites but maybe the Bills do need Odell Beckham or something like that and they might they might get him you and know, they might get Odell their, their report but, this morning was that Odell was uh, almost back um, at this point from his ACL tear that he suffered in the Super Bowl and he'll probably be signing with the team soon now whoever signs him they'll have to ramp him up a little bit i don't expect they'll sure. to really play until december but th- yeah that could be a major factor in this one i agree i think that the what matters most is definitely on the Jets side of things i will say about the buffalo bills um josh allen struggled today he he didn't look like the and you know we're so spoiled with josh allen at this point over the last two years that when he has an actual human performance we think it's a down performance and um, I know it wasn't up to his standards, but I just wanted to, to shout this out after the game. Josh Allen had this quote. He said, it's tough to win when your quarterback plays like shit. That's what Josh Allen said. Josh Allen said that after the game. And yeah, I love that man. You know, I'm sure the Accountable I'm, guy, I'm sure the guys in the locker room absolutely loved it. I'm sure they're going to pick him up immediately next week. Um, and the bills are going to be right back to business. Like you said, they're still one of the best in the NFL, but on the flip side, they are one of the best teams in the NFL and the jets absolutely not only hung with them, but they were victorious when the clock hit zero, man. The young guns on this team are showing up. If you are a draft nut at all, you're a New York Jets fan. You love this team. You you're, love I mean, them. you're a New York Jets fan. You have to be, 100%. Garrett Wilson already looks like he can, he can carry the passing offense, man. That dude is sick. This was a this was a vintage Ohio State Garrett Wilson game. Totally. Whether it was whether it was the one-handed catch where he's got glue on the gloves in the corner of the end zone that didn't that didn't actually count, or whether it was the play where he caught the ball and the second that he caught the ball, he fully stopped his body, let the defender go right in front of him, and then he just turned up field. To start Matador. 
Dude, yeah. that kind of yeah, it's 100% Matador. That's actually fantastic. I, the body control, the catching ability, the route running for Garrett Wilson, it's incredible. We already know that Brees Hall could handle the load as a full-time back when he was healthy. But even with him not healthy, Michael Carter and James Robinson look fantastic as a committee they for, uh, for them right now. Quinn and Williams playing some of his best ball. He's fantastic to watch. Sauce Garner, without question, folks, a top five corner in the game right now. Without question a top five corner in the game you mentioned reed who's on the other side was which was great jordan whitehead's coming up big for him i felt like cj mosley was making a good amount of plays for him or or was at least all around the ball and then the guy that you didn't mention that i know you know because you tweeted about him bryce huff brother holy cow i mean i know he doesn't he's our best pass rusher i know he doesn't have a ton of pass rush snaps yet this season but i looked this up huff who was an undrafted free agent out of memphis in 2020 Pass rush win percentage this year is above 25%, which is incredible. Mm-hmm. Of the high-profile guys that that you would name, only Miles Garrett has a better pass rush win percentage than him. Miles Garrett's somewhere around 27%. Nick Bose is at 24, which is lower. Micah Parsons is at 22, which is lower. Rashawn Gary is at 20, which is lower. And then a lot of the other big name pass rushers that you could spout out at the top off the top of your head, they're normally like 18, 19% pass rush win percentage. Bryce, Bryce Huff is at 25. Now he's only got 86, I think, going into this week, 86 pass rush snaps compared to some of these other guys that have, you know, 150, 200. But still. He's, they use him like a closer in baseball. Right, dude, it's awesome. It's awesome. Like he, they get the lead at the end of the game. In the fourth quarter, it's like unleash the Kraken. Wherever they're hiding Bryce Huff in the stadium, mm-hmm. I don't know what, what could they just have him like in the locker room listening to like dmx or something he like in a dark to, room he comes down on the rope like sean michaels yeah, in yeah. wrestlemania and he just yes <laughs> yes like the undertaker's bell hits and bryce huff is out there rushing from a seven or a nine and the right tackle is like oh shit who the hell is this where the hell have you been <laughs> oh you're faster than everyone else on this d-line you're more explosive you're you act you bend nobody else on this d-line bends like you who the hell are you who the hell are you Brace up, baby. Brace yeah, up. So crazy. There we go. That's my uh, what matters most. We'll pick up the pace on these next couple wins. Sure. Raiders, Jags. Jags come away victorious 27 to 20. Uh, did you have a big takeaway from this one? Oh, man. Well, one, obviously, the, the Jekyll and Hyde Trevor Lawrence experience kind of continues, but a lot of good, right? I think that's the good thing. You want to see, and that's young quarterbacks in a nutshell. I just... Despite all that, I just don't understand. Let me just say something, right? Okay, this is what matters most, because that's the point of the show, and I do this. I run myself in a circle about 45 things, and then I get to it. (laughs) Let me just say what matters most. No, give Josh McDaniels is not a good head coach and should never have been a highly desired head coach in a sense of, like, every year everyone's like, man, uh, Josh McDaniels, he might interview for that job. Like, you might be lucky enough that he takes an interview with you, and then he might take the job, and then he might back out on everything when all everything else was settled, like he did to the Colts. I don't understand it. Like, I just don't understand what made him such a highly desirable candidate, and now you're seeing the proof is in the pudding here. It didn't work in Denver. Okay, he obviously had really, really great run with New England as an assistant. He gets the second chance. The Raiders are not a well-coached football team, and they came out, like, once again with their hair on fire in this first half. Devontae Adams looked like he was going to have 120 fantasy points alone on the day, which is great, and all that's awesome. Mm -hmm. But they're just – 
I, it pains me because I, I always find myself wanting the Raiders to be good because I, I find their fans to endure a lot of the similar pain that like Jets, Lions, there's like a bucket of us. And they just, they're just not a well-coached team in terms of the flow of the game. And the fact that they let this game just completely get away from them in the second half where they didn't score any points and they gave up 17, it's just super frustrating to the point where I'm like, is this guy, he's not going to be a one and done, but if he was, I'd... I'd get the thought process. Most 17-point blown leads in the NFL this season. Las Vegas Raiders, three. Rest of the entire league combined, two. That's stats from CBS. I saw that it last stinks, I was dude. making my notes. That's tough. It's very it's very tough to swallow. And that's why the, the Raiders are really tough to judge, right? You're sitting here getting 17 points up on teams, and then you blow it, and you go, okay, well, what's wrong? You'd be like, oh, the offense can't stay sustained. But, I mean, there's moments. And then you go like, oh, you know, the defense can't stay sustained. But, I mean, there's moments. And, like, that's all it is, it feels like, for the Raiders. They just can't put it together to be a complete team. My one thing that mattered most from this game – oh, wait, were you, were you about to – No, go, go ahead. I want to verify that this stat is true because I, I just honestly can't believe it. It's from uh, NFL on CBS, I think, tweeted it. No, 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 no not your stat. I have another one on. Oh, oh, oh okay, okay. Like, okay. there's just, there's just no way if this is real. But okay, it might I'll be. give you some time. My, uh, my, what matters most is that the Jacksonville Jaguars are going in the right direction, and I, and I, I really have believed that all season, even throughout the struggles. You know, we've, we've talked about Lawrence, and we've talked about how frustrating it is. But the silver lining to me was, look, you got Doug Peterson, you've got Peterson in the building. Uh, it, it just feels like every player that's ever been under Doug Peterson, they've absolutely loved them. He's been able to get the best out of them. It's his first year there, and he's dealing with Urban Meyer's players, and he's cleaning up for Urban Meyer's mess. This team's absolutely going in the right direction. Um, Trevor Lawrence had one of the most least confident tosses I've ever seen that went off to Michael Hasty's hands, and I was like, good God, this is going to be a long day for Trevor Lawrence. But he got better. He put that behind him. He dealt with pressure, I thought, really well. He was putting the ball where it needed to go. He had both zip and ball placement, I think, throughout the day, which is great to see. He was a confident decision maker. This is a great game from Lawrence to bounce back from really getting punched in the mouth, not just from watching the Raiders yeah. put a lot of points in the scoreboard, but also the early turnover that he had there. He was able to rally. I think Doug Peterson's going to have him going in the right direction. I want to shout out Travis Etienne, too, okay? Last five weeks of play, this is total yards, so receiving and rushing. 114, 108, 119, 162, 126. This dude's had over 100 yards combined receiving and rushing in every single week the last five weeks. Travis Etienne is that dude. And even though the pick was kind of funny at the time because they drafted him, clearly because Urban Meyer really wanted Kadarius Toney and then the Giants took him before the Jags picked, Um He's going to be great for him, man. You can't teach that speed. You can't teach that athleticism. So my one thing that matters most, the Jags are going in the right direction. Believe it. So McDaniel started his NFL head coaching career 6-0. and He is, I believe, 7-22 and since that 6-0 no start. No way. He's 7-22 and since that 6-0 and start. And... Do not forget there was the videotaping scandal that he was he was hiring the uh, his staff to film the opposing practices when they were on that 6 and 0 run. So like he's 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 in really awful territory. Like it's almost hard to be worse. Interesting. Like he not might great. be he might be Adam Gase. Ooh. I'm serious. Not good company. 
That's not good company right there. You never want to go full Gase. Adam Gase with a visor. How do you like that? Yeah, that's. I don't think anybody likes that. Raiders uh, deserve better. Let's, let's move on. Let's go to McDaniel's former team. Let's talk about the New England Patriots beating the Indianapolis Colts 26-3. I don't have a lot to say on this one other than the fact that it doesn't matter who's playing quarterback. It doesn't matter who's playing running back. It doesn't matter mm. who the receivers are. The Colts O-line stinks out loud. Colts played so poor that it didn't matter if it was Matt Ryan, Sam Ellinger, uh, Peyton Manning back, or Andrew Luck under center. It, it wouldn't have mattered. They well, gave don't up. do that to Andrew Luck again. No, I, I wouldn't. I would never. I would never. I'm glad. I'm glad he's in a better place. Yes, um, he he's not dead. Choice. He's he's not dead. He's just retired. In a better place. Um, Colts gave up nine sacks today. Nine. Thirteen pressures allowed. Bernard Ryman's grade was actually good for us, but like, yeah. It, I mean, it doesn't. It just doesn't matter. This is the highest paid offensive line in football, and they stink. They stink. Oh, they need to just. Like that. They need to just get to the end of the year and flush this year away. It never happened. Come back next year because a lot of these guys are going to be here next year, and just be the offensive line that you thought you were going to be when you all kind of came together. But nobody's winning behind this Colts line. They're not going to put up points. Doesn't matter. If, like I said, if it was Matt Ryan, if it was Sam Mellinger, if it was Andrew Luck, if it was Peyton Manning, it wouldn't matter. Yeah, they're, they're underperforming. They're not communicating. I saw them get beat on a stunt with Judon. I saw them just not block Judon on a sack. Um, the Colts O-line is, you're right, you're all over it, Trevor. I, I fully agree. I think that uh, they're just, it's no quarterback is going to survive back there. And Man, it's, it's, it's going to raise some tough questions. I don't think anything's going to happen to Chris Ballard, but this was a team that's been, they've been being constructed for a long time. And I think Colts fans are kind of sitting there like, we weren't delivered even close to what's been promised for a long time, and something's got to change. And once again, I don't think it'll be anything with Chris Ballard, but it's very, very concerning. Colts front seven look good. Defense look good. I mean, I the Colts have talent. I won't ever defense, deny that. Defense is on the side of the wall look good, but you're just you're never yeah. going to score enough points behind this offense. And now this sets up a mammoth clash between New England and the Jets uh, two weeks from now. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. New England could be, who do, who does New England have next? Are uh, Jets on the bye? Jets are on the bye. Nice. Oh, New England is on the bye, I believe. Oh. New England is on the bye, so New England at five and four Classic will host the six and three Jets. So that opens up a big game for them. Want to move to uh, Vikings Commanders? Yeah, Vikings win this one, advanced to seven and one on the season. Twenty to seventeen was the final score. It looked like the Commanders were going to win this game, and then the Vikings scored thirteen points in the fourth quarter. Kind of a heroic comeback for Kirk Cousins. And honestly, man, that's my one thing that matters most. Is I think we look at this Vikings team and we go, okay, nice receivers. Um, the offensive line has been playing well this season. They did not play well today for whatever reason. The I thought the offensive line was bad. Um, obviously Dalvin cook was a, is a great running back on the defensive side of things. Darius Smith, Daniel Hunter. I mean, like those guys are, they're playing, they're playing like one of the best edge duos in the NFL right now. If not yep. the best edge duo, they had another incredible game, um, this past week, but I think everybody has looked at those things with the Vikings and said, okay, solid team, solid roster. Kirk can deliver some big moments for them. But when you rattle Kirk cousins, it's when he unravels, right. And, and that's something that, has been his uh, the narrative around him for a really long time. Connor under pressure today. Kirk played 
really well. This is under pressure. These are plays in which he was pressured. He had a 78.5 grade, which is really high for a quarterback when he is pressured. Normally, you're talking about some of the best quarterbacks in the NFL getting high 60s, low 70s, maybe on a good day of when they're getting pressured. So he had a 78.5 grade, three big-time throws, zero turnover-worthy plays, an average depth of target of 15.2. Kirk's out here slinging it. 66.7 adjusted completion percentage. That's all just when pressured. That's, to me, what matters the most is th the thought behind Cousins was always, yeah, I mean, he's nice, but when he gets up against the better teams in the NFL and they really rattle him and get him off script, like he's just going to, he's I mean, he's just not going to be that guy for you. He can't really perform under pressure. Today, he absolutely did. Not only were they behind on the scoreboard and they needed to come back, they that Washington front was in his face all game long. He was taking hits all game long, and he was putting that ball exactly where it needed to be for them to come away with a comeback victory, which I loved to see. So that's my what mattered most. I'll follow up on that. Just one more note. Uh, Christian Darisaw has, is really coming along nicely for this Vikings team as a franchise left tackle. He had a block on a screen today that sent somebody to Mars. It, it, he like he hit it's like he hit the eject button on this player, but I thought he was really clean in pass pro too. Uh right now in our system wasn't credited for anything except one pressure. So he's just been you know really what they were hoping they were getting in the first round. It took a little longer. He had the, a rocky first year, but it's been it's been great for the Vikings and that's part of keeping Cousins uh away from being pressured. But I like your point Trevor that that's a that's a big turning point for him to succeed when under heat like that. Uh, Seahawks Cardinals, big Seahawks takeaway. Cardinals, Cardinals Cardinals big dub advanced to six and three on the season, thirty one to twenty one. Seahawks <laughs> big dub. Did I say Cardinals? Yeah, yeah. Well, that was stupid. Okay. I mean, Seahawks big dub, six and three on the season, thirty one to twenty one. Um, it was kind of back and forth. Felt like all game long, and then in the uh, second half, as kind of things were winding down, especially in the fourth quarter, Seahawks were able to pull away there. What do you think about this game? Well, what I think about the game is obviously Seattle is just a ton of fun to watch because Geno is just not going to have that like moment of like, oh, I told you he's like it's a fraud season or anything. Like Geno is just legit at this point. Geno can yeah. be trusted with the offense. Geno can uh, obviously execute everything they ask of him at a very efficient level, especially with Kenneth Walker, who king dude. It's just the king, and is even chipping in a little in the past game, something that wasn't in his arsenal in college, which is really cool to see, but we know what kind of gifted runner he is. But what matters most coming out of this game, Trevor, is something we've kind of had our eye on for a long time, is that, I mean, it's just over for this regime in Arizona, and I don't really see any justifiable way that you can continue to run this with Cliff and Kime and, you know, I don't want this show to always be like the calling for people to lose their jobs, but part of doing a draft podcast is the hiring cycle and there's just no way around it whether it's coaches gm scouts all of those things and arizona is just in a place right now where their infrastructure it's not the right one it's not the right one i mean this was a game where i believe when it closed i know when it opened seattle was a point and a half underdog and arizona loses by 10 points and nobody's surprised Nope. That to me matters more than anything. The fact that I don't really think anybody even has belief in this Arizona team going forward. And that that's just because of the infrastructure that needs to change at season's end. I've said it before on this podcast that um, it gets dangerous when apathy starts to set in, right? I feel like we're, we're yeah. at an apathetic point with the Cardinals where their fans are just like, hmm, another, another loss. 
Which right. sucks. Like that and sucks. You want you need your fan base to be engaged one way or the other. Like when when they lose, you need your fan base to care about the fact that they lost. When they win, obviously what you want your fans base to celebrate. When you are apathetic, that means that you are losing and your fan base expects to lose. They don't have expectations to win. That's why it's not evoking emotion because they're not mad about it. They they have already accepted that it's coming. That's when you get in a dangerous spot with, when you're a franchise, and it's hard to think that Clip is really going to be able to pull them out of it. It felt like Kyler was a man alone today. He was just doing yeah. everything on his own. I mean, DeAndre had a couple of good plays that I was able to see um, just watching the game on the other screen. But it look, you, you said it right. Logically, this should be it for Kyle and Cliff. Are they going to pull the trigger? I don't know. I hope so. For Cardinals fans' sake, I hope so. Because it Screw just the money. It feels like it's not working for everybody. It's just not working for everybody. They're sitting here at three and six. Arizona currently has the number six overall pick in the NFL draft. I don't know, man. It's just they're they're going in the wrong direction. If you give Cliff another year, I think it'd be a mistake. What I'm trying to say is future Alabama offensive assistant Cliff Kingsbury. That's what I'm trying to say. Fire it up, man. Fire. Would it surprise anybody? Listen, uh, last game, uh, Los Angeles Rams versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Fire um, away, Trev. I, I want. I need the Trevor take like oxygen right America's now. America's game of the week, baby. Um, Sixteen to thirteen was the final score of this game. It was an emotional, gripping experience to the very end. Um. My thing that mattered most, honestly, comes from the Los Angeles Rams because I still, I, you know, like there was, there was mm, 80 seconds, 90 seconds left in that game where Tampa had drove the ball down, vintage Tom Brady two-minute drill. Uh, he throws a beautiful ball straight to Scotty Miller in the back of the end zone, and he's open, and he just jumps, and it goes straight off the cage, and he doesn't catch it. And then they throw into double coverage because he force feeds Mike Evans because I guarantee on that next play, Tom had it up in his mind. He's like, I'm not throwing this effing ball to anybody other than Mike Evans. And he threw it to double coverage and Jalen Ramsey could have even picked it off. So that was nine. That was with 90 seconds left in the game. There was all this frustration. I saw all the tweets, fire every coach, get rid of Brady tank, like tank for Bryce young, all of these things. And then Tampa's defense, stops because brother if they would have lost this game they're not that far off they wouldn't have been that far off tank for bryce i they love the pivot they between like the, the seventh overall pick super bowl run with brady tank for bryce oh, it was it, we were we were right on the line baby that we is right on walking the line the tightrope so um that's the, the 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 difference in the outcome of this game was just it was a coin flip it felt like and there is still reason to believe that the Bucs can be a good football team, but this past game was, again, it was it was more frustration. They don't seem to have a really good balance of passing and running. Um, before the game, Jeff Darlington uh, tweeted out that when they talked with the coaching staff in Tampa Bay, they believe that their offensive woes come from not running the ball enough, and it's yeah. just like, I, I can't pound my head into the wall any harder with that, man. Like, yeah, it was, that was rough. How do you look at the inefficiencies that you have in the run game and think that running the ball more will fix that? It won't. And, you know, you go through this game and Chris Godwin had drops. Mike Evans had drops. You know, it's just the lack of playmakers is so obvious. The offensive line was committing penalties everywhere. Defense stepped up, and that was great to see. 
the Todd Bowles unit kind of really come back to life there. But my what matters most really comes on the other side of things, and it's the Los Angeles Rams. And, you know, if you wouldn't have brought this up for Carolina's game, I would have brought it up here. This team is out of their damn mind for offering all of those picks for Brian Burns. If you watch this Los Angeles Rams team today and thought, I, I don't know how you could think we're one Brian Burns away from really turning the corner. Because because scary. pass scary. rush was the, the the least of their worries. Terrell Lewis is actually pretty damn good. Aaron Donald's obviously he speaks for himself. They've got good linebacker play. They've got good secondary play. Like the defense is fine. And they offered they off they just offered three top 50 picks for another pass rusher. That wasn't gonna help anything out. That offense is abysmal, brother. That offensive yeah. line's bad. Yeah. Uh Matthew Stafford's seeing ghosts right now. It is very clear that Stafford doesn't trust anybody who's not in Cooper Cup. That offense is so one-dimensional. It's it's it is wild. The run game isn't there for him at all whatsoever. Henderson had one long run, and other than that, he was completely bottled up. The whole passing offense, other than that one Cooper Cup bomb against a cover three, which was a beautiful call by Sean McFay, by the way, to get a seam cover three beater against cover three. It was it was uh chef kiss. It was wonderful. But outside of that play, dude, Rams are bad. This is a bad yeah. football team. This isn't a good I mean, this is this isn't a Super Bowl contender. This isn't even a playoff contender right now. And this organization thought they were one Brian Burns overpay away from content. It's just the thing that matters most is I don't know where we're going with the Rams, man. We might be in for a really interesting next six months with the Los Angeles Rams. And I say six months to finish out this season and then getting into free agency as well. I don't know what this team's going to do. Um, but where their head is at, it feels like it's a, it, it's it, that it's at a strange place right now for the Rams. Yeah, their offensive line is just grading out quite horribly, uh, honestly, and it doesn't take us opening up PFF Ultimate to know that when you watch the but Rams we each we week. But we, 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 we damn, we damn right, we will. I mean, sure, you want you want numbers? We'll give you numbers. I mean, just when it comes down to it, <laughs> they're not an overwhelmingly physical run blocking unit. They're not an overwhelmingly talented pass blocking unit, um, especially on the interior where they really get eaten up a lot. And you're right, Trevor. It's it's just uh, the awareness is it the Brian Burns trade thing. Like, man, why not package that? Say if that's if you're willing to just say like you really want to live by f them picks. I mean, go do that for Laramie Tunzel or something else. It, it's just you're not a Brian Burns. You're not a Brian Burns away. You're honestly no. not a Laramie Tunzel away. And no, it's a it's a tough season for the Rams. You won a Super Bowl last year, so nobody's you know having a meltdown over it. But I completely agree with you. There we go. All right, those are all the games. I did want to bring this up at the end of the podcast. Um, so Jared is a listener of the podcast. He sent me this message on Instagram, and it just—it's a link to a tweet, and he says, "Please check the date on this tweet and ask Connor about it on the pod." Oh boy! So I'm scared. I'm going to send this picture to um, Ryan, our producer, so he can put it on the screen if you're watching it on YouTube. He did a coin flip heads or tails win or loss for the entire Jets schedule. I think I've seen this. It is perfect, including <laughs> today. It's incredible. It is perfect, including today. And after the bye week, it has loss versus New England, loss versus Chicago. But then 
win at Minnesota, win at Buffalo, win versus Detroit, win versus Jacksonville, win at Seattle, and then a loss to Miami in the last game of the year. They go 11-6 and six on the season, make the playoffs, win in the wild card, <laughs> win in the divisional round, and then lose in the AFC Championship. That's just unbelievable. They I, have nailed I all this. nine games at this point. That's number one. That's just incredible. But I remember seeing it, and I remember everybody clowning or laughing at the Buffalo one. Like right, that's the one where everyone was like, "Yeah, okay, this is where it fails." And I probably was like reading it, like, "Yeah, this is probably not going to happen." But you know, whatever. That's awesome. It's awesome. That, that's a, That's the kind of stuff that makes football so fun, man. All like hail the magic. The coin, coin. flip. The all you better hail. still have that coin. You better oh, yeah, still have that actually, coin. Yeah, Jared, you better have that coin. Jared, if, you, uh, if you're if you listening to this podcast, which hopefully you are because you know, we, we shouted out your stuff, uh, send me a picture of the coin. And I'll, yeah, I'll, in and possession. We'll, uh, we'll put it on the show again. Um, Bring it with you at all times. 11 wins. Good Lord. He just keeps it in his pocket at all times. No Everywhere. What. Showers with it, like in his uh, hand. <laughs> Yeah, Before know. we get out of here, got to talk to people about No House Advantage. They're changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy platform uh, available today. You play in pickup contests versus other people for a shot at winning $250,000 in cash. You download the app, choose a contest, select your player props, and earn points for correct picks. Climb the leaderboard for your shot to win big money every single day. You can also test your skills versus the house and 20 times your entry if you hit all of your picks. Bet on up to five player prop over-unders or individual player matchups across every major sporting league, including the NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, and NASCAR. Sign up now with promo code STOCK, that's S-T-O-C-K, at nohouseadvantage.com or download the app on the App Store to get your first deposit match for up to $25. Make sure you're checking out No House Advantage today. Experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not just about how you play, but also where you play. And you guys definitely will not want to miss out on this wanted to shout out the speak pipe that we're doing the the listener voicemail speakpipe.com backslash nflse a lot of you guys have already sent in your voicemails and i know you got a lot more takes now that week nine is in the book so the way that it goes is even if you're just on your phone you can go to speakpipe.com backslash nflse and just record your voice Say what's up to us. If you missed the Thursday episode last week, we got to a couple of them, and we're going to try to do that at the end of every Thursday episode at the end of the week. We want to get to as many as possible. So tell us what you thought of your team's win or loss this week. What do you think about them with an outlook of the rest of the season, the NFL draft? Um, You want to talk about prospects? We can talk about prospects. Anything that is on your mind, send us a voicemail. We listen to all of them. We don't have time to get all of them on the show, obviously, but we do listen to all. We're going to, we're going to listen to all of them. So um, take solace in that. Maybe we'll even reference some that we don't get to in future shows and things like that. So um, yeah, there we go, Connor. Um, I I can uh, let you go now to go ahead and eat your cake, pal. Yeah. Young cake Kings go off, man. (laughs) Despite what Trevor says. Don't let him kill your vibe, folks. There are dozens of us that don't like <laughs> cake. Dozens. dozens. Dozens of us. Appreciate Jesus. you guys listening to the show. Thanks, As everyone. always, we will uh, we will be back on Wednesday for a stock market episode. We're not just only going to talk about some guys that we watched this past weekend in college football who we believe they got their stock up and stock down, but we're going to take a look at the NFL draft order as well as we're kind of going to be able to do every single week and talk about some teams that are jumping up into the top 10, outside of the top 10, picking in the top 20, more on that playoff picture, whatever it is. 
we're starting to kind of figure out what the order is going to be like. So we'll take a peek at that, I think, every single Wednesday as well. I am Trevor Sikama. That is the birthday boy, Connor Rogers. Thank you guys so much for listening to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. We will see you on Wednesday. <laughs>